Hi everybody, I'm John Sherwood and this is my podcast where I seek to fuel faith in Jesus in the 21st century. I'm a minister of the gospel and believe in making disciples who make disciples because Jesus really is beautiful and amazing and worth following with everything that we have. You can check out more resources at my website, johnsherwood.com, where I write about the intersection of faith and modern culture, as well as Bible study, leadership, and faith interviews, all designed to help ignite and fuel faith in Jesus Christ. And with all that, let's dive into the episode. Hey guys, this is John Sherwood here at johnsherwood.com. Today we've got Brandon Redler on the line, who's going to share a little bit with us tonight about the T in the LGBT community. Brandon, thank you so much for joining us here today. John, thanks so much for having me. It is great to be here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, so tell me a little bit about just kind of your story and uh, sort of how you ended up here tonight talking about the T in LGBT. Yeah, well, I've been a Christian for seven years here in Orlando. Um, and really, before that, going back to when I was a young, young child, I really always felt like I wanted to be a girl. I mean, I was, I was born a guy. Um, there was you know, no intersex conditions or anything there. I was totally a guy. Um, but just these feelings were there from when I was so young, probably five or six years old, that I just really didn't feel comfortable as a boy. Um, and when you're that old, you don't know what to do with those feelings. And so as I grew older, as I you know, started to go into puberty, I started to notice the differences between guys and girls a whole lot more, and it meant a whole lot more socially as well. Um, you know, I had played dolls with my sister, played dress up with her. You know, I was totally happy with that. Um, but then it became apparent from you know, being around my peers that I was gonna need to cut that out. I was gonna need to be more like a guy. And so into my teen years, it felt like I was starting to live more and more a lie that this life as a male that I was kind of being shuffled into uh, was not going to be for me. Um, and so the, by the time I was 14, I realized that, you know, I want to explore a feminine identity. I want to, I want to cross-dress some. You know, I would steal clothes out of my mother's and sister's closets and dress in private just because it made me feel good. It made me feel good about myself. Um, and it became that that wasn't going to be enough. I needed that to be my whole life. Um, I needed to express my feminine identity uh, to the world. Um, and so I made friends uh, in the LGBT community that would accept me that way, that would you know, let me explore that. Um, and I became more comfortable with that identity. And by the time I was 16, I realized that, you know what, I don't feel comfortable growing up to be a man in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I feel like I was made to be a woman. I feel like that is how I would be the most comfortable living. And I did some research. I, I saw that there were other people that felt the exact same way, that they identified as transgender, that they felt like perhaps they were born in the wrong body. And that's exactly how I felt. I didn't feel good about my male body that I was developing. And so I realized that there's something I can do about this. I can transition to live as the opposite sex. I can undergo hormone therapy and I can have surgery. Uh, there are all those options to let me live as a woman as much as possible and fit in society as a woman instead of a man. And so at 16, I made that decision. And my, my parents are, are wonderful, amazing people. And they have been behind me in whatever I have ever done. Um, they're 
highest concern is that I am happy. And they were so happy to see that I was happy starting to live as a woman at 16. I started dressing as a woman at uh, 17. I took hormones. Um, and by 18, I had sex reassignment surgery. And so I was fully able to start living as a woman as Desiree, the name that I adopted. And from there, I went to college and I started over. I mean, I, I grew up in South Carolina in a, a smaller town and going to college two states away, I could be anyone I wanted to be. There was no history there. There was no past identity that I would have to get uh, away from. I could just start over as Desiree. I could be exactly who I wanted to be. Um, and it was amazing. I mean, I had tons of friends who loved and respected me for, you know, the, the bold choices that I was making to, to be who I wanted to be. I was doing great academically. Um, I was just loving life. Um, I even was starting to do well professionally. I'd had an internship uh, in accounting my fields uh, as a woman. I uh, was hired for my first job as a woman. Um, and that's when I moved to Orlando. And from there, I really started to question my faith for the first time in my life. Uh, from there, I started to realize that I had no higher purpose in my life. I really had no exposure to religion before that, no real exposure. Um, I kind of just identify as agnostic. And so I realized that I needed something more for my life. And mind you, I had everything I wanted. I had everything that I could possibly do to make myself content, but the problem is it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to just have all the things that this world could offer. I had a spiritual emptiness inside me that nothing could fill. Not living as a woman, not anything, could make that void go away. And I knew that it was spiritual because I had friends that at least told me they were Christians. None of them really lived much of Christian lives, but still I envied them. I envied that they had faith in something, that they had a higher calling, a higher purpose. And I wanted that. I wanted that so badly. And I started reading the Bible. And, you know, people ask me, why the Bible? Why, why did you turn there and not, you know, the Talmud, the Quran, any other faith? I know it really just pulled to me. I think mostly because I had never given the Bible an honest shot. Uh, you know, as many people in the LGBT community do, they really kind of fear what the Bible says ultimately um, because it basically, they basically just have a, a perception that, well, the Bible is just going to tell me I'm going to go to hell. Why would I read that? That's not of interest to me. And that's exactly where I was. But I gave it an honest shot and it spoke to me. It really did. And at first I thought, okay, well, the, this seems like the truth. It really does. It really speaks to me. Maybe I can be a good Christian woman. And uh, I started reading, and the more I read, I started to doubt that. I started to doubt that assertion that I had made that God intended for me to live as a woman. And I, I poured over the scriptures. I, I tried to find anything I could to support me living as a woman or support me living as a man. I really tried to just see what does God want me to do. And that's when I decided, well, okay, I'm still figuring this out, but maybe I should start going to church. That's what Christians do. Uh, so I started going to a church in Orlando that I'd heard about from a friend in college. And uh, 
just said, let's see where this goes. So I showed up uh, as a woman, mind you, as Desiree in a skirt and heels. You know what? I didn't catch flames when I went through the door. That was a good, good start to that. And I just started getting to know people. I mean, I, I wasn't open about what was going on. I was just presenting myself as someone who was there ready to learn about God and, and take a journey of faith. Um, and so I started getting to know people. You know, people offered to kind of study the Bible with me. And the more I read, the more I just got convicted that, you know what? It's time to do something about this. It's time to hit this issue head on. Um, and really, I already kind of felt convicted that, you know, I feel God really did make me as a man, just from how I read the scriptures and how they spoke to me. So reading the scriptures, um, I was encouraged to really just open up my life. And I did to, to a number of people in the church to really just say, this is what's going on. And I don't know exactly what the future holds, but I'm ready to do what God wants me to do. I'm ready to live as a man again, if that's what God wants me to do. And the great thing was, no one ever sat me down and tried to really address this issue. No one tried to really force me one way or another. Um, I really was left to come to my own convictions. And I think that made all the difference was that I was given the time and patience uh, yeah. first to understand God's love for me and then respond to that naturally, not yeah. being pushed along or forced by anyone, yeah. but just having my heart's natural response to him and yeah. his love and his plan for me. Yeah. And so with that support from, from the church, I, was, I was, became a Christian seven years ago. And that is the best decision I ever made. I, I started living as a man again from that time, um, and I have never gone back. And it's been an amazing journey. And now God uh, has given me the honor of being able to share this with others and help them uh, however this issue touches their lives. Yeah. Wow, Brandon, thank you so much for for sharing all of that. I know um, that just means a lot to me. Obviously, I know to many others just that you'd be so so open and candid and vulnerable. And, uh, you know, you mentioned that one of the things that really helped you was that there was space allowed um, in the community of faith for you to, to journey and to, to seek the scriptures and to, to allow God the time and opportunity to work in your heart to bring about your decisions versus uh, somebody trying to kind of impose those decisions on you when maybe you, you weren't ready, you know, and I think that's, that's so amazing and so great. I know for me, what I've experienced is a lot of times in the cultural context of communities of faith that I'm in, that can be really hard. You know, we, we, I know that we tend to get impatient, you know, that when somebody is not ready to repent on our timeline, we kind of don't know what to do with them. You know, we're sort of like, uh, I, I guess you're not really seeking God and we just kind of do this and, just hang around, I guess, if you want. It's like, and I think for me, what I've really come to a conviction about is that, you know, it takes faith for me to allow someone space to seek their faith. It takes trust in God for me to allow God to work in someone's life on their timetable, not mine. And I've noticed how much that can rub me. And so it's really encouraging to, to hear that, that that was seems like that was kind of your experience that, you know, people were allowing God to be the one primarily with them 
aiding and augmenting, but for him to primarily be the one to call you to him and to bring about the conviction of heart that he wanted you to have. So that's really encouraging. Now, as, as you kind of walked into uh, this community of faith as, as Desiree, what were some of the fears and trepidations? What, what were some of the concerns that you had uh, when you first walked through the doors for the first time uh, as a woman into this church community? Yeah, um, I certainly was uh, worried about what people would think if, if they did know. I mean, I, that's why when I came in, I, was, I wasn't telling anyone what was going on. I just wanted to, to see what it all was about, you know, kind of learn about God and, you know, maybe see in time, okay, let me see if I can find some safe people that I feel like I could open up to, that I don't feel like they're just going to totally shun me over this. Because mm-hmm. again, I, I had no idea. I really had not spent uh, a lot of time um, really getting to know, you know, real Christians before this time in my life. I mean, I was, I was 22 years old and had never been exposed to, to real Christianity, um, you know, on, on a head-on level, really dealing with issues of faith um, while finding my, my own faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I really had no idea how people would react. Right. Uh, you know, especially with some of my relate relationships with some of the women, um, you know, naturally the, the women were the ones to more welcome me in and want to, you know, teach me about the word of God. And so I wondered, oh, are they going to, once they finally f- figure this out, or if I tell them, are they going to be totally weirded out and distance themselves from me? Sure. You know, are they gonna be, I mean, yeah, it, it could have right. been a really big issue. Totally. Totally. Now, when, when you, um, you know, first came into the church, um, what, what were some of the things looking back, it sounds like it was, it was really God led and God ordained and and it was a really great positive experience, but looking back, what do you think might've been some of the tripwires, um, that could have really gone bad? What, what, as you look back, what could have been, or as if you were to imagine yourself in those shoes again, or maybe someone else, right. Who's, who's in that position now, who's, uh, maybe living a, a transgendered life and, and, and they are a transgender person and they're wanting to seek faith, faith for the first time. What are some of the things that can really maybe trip that up or disrupt that or, or just be um, detrimental to, to enabling that? Yeah, definitely. Um, and I, you know, I, I love my, my local church. I mean, when I was at this time in my life, I mean, really everyone was just so great and so loving um, and so I really can't even recall personally um, a time when there was really an issue like that. But there certainly are so many things that can come up and, and have that I've seen from other people reaching out to me to get advice about this subject. Um, because there, there's a, a big issue um, with, first off, names and pronouns. Um, transgender people, you know, want to be called the name and pronouns that they choose. I mean, just like any of us, that's, that's kind of a given. Um, usually it's not really a question that someone's going to call you the name that you introduce yourself by or the pronouns you refer to yourself by. I mean, it's not really an issue, but uh, for a lot of transgender people, that, that can be an issue because people um, may not realize what pronouns they should use or they may just kind of assume what they should use or they may know the pronouns and name that are preferred, but not really feel comfortable using that for one reason or another. Um, and that's definitely something that can put a barrier up. I mean, just think if someone uh, called you by a girl's name and in girl pronouns and 
insisted on doing that, even if you protested. I mean, that probably right. rubbed you the wrong way. Sure, sure. And another one is, uh, you know, how we're grouped in terms of, of men and women. You know, in the church, we split up a lot of lessons, men and women. Um, and if someone, you know, was transgender and was there who, who wanted to attend, you know, a lesson that aligned with their gender identity rather than their first sex, uh, you know, some people might take an issue with it and try to push them towards a group that they don't want to be in. Um, yeah, that's definitely something that can cause conflict. Okay. Uh, a huge issue is the bathroom usage. And, right. you know, we're doing this all in politics and all over the place. Uh, you know, our church is no exception. You know, we, we tend to meet in places that have a men's room and a women's restroom. Right. You know, the person is going to want to use one that probably aligns with their gender identity that they're presenting to the world. Again, another source of conflict for sure. Right. And so how would you recommend uh, that Christians approach uh, these issues that are uh, rapidly developing in our culture around us? And as you said, the church is not immune to that. And I think, you know, we, we've got to be ready to uh, proficiently um, be able to, to accommodate and to best uh, be able to become all things to all people that we might win some. So what would your, uh, you know, recommendation be on how we maybe approach these types of things? Right. And I'm glad you used that scripture because that's exactly the, the top one that comes to mind for me when I think about how we should approach these. Um, I think there is a balance as well. I think that we do have to be mindful of, uh, you know, what we show approval of, certainly. Um, but I, I do think that more so than anything else, we have to really consider we want to reach out to people who do not yet know God. We want to reach out to people who have not yet accepted a biblical standard for their lives. And so in that, we can't expect them to live like Christians. We can't expect them to agree with us in terms of what we believe on any issue, really, um, until they've chosen to accept that for themselves and have chosen to make Jesus Lord. Mm. Um, so until that time, we really can't expect people to act the way that we might act or believe what we might believe. Um, and so these issues really are, are big examples of that. Mm -hmm. You know, we may not feel that someone um, really is the gender before God that they believe themselves to be. So if someone was born a man, we may believe that that person really is a man before God. That person may believe that they are a woman before God. But again, we can't expect them to be on the same page as us. Mm -hmm. And so with all the things that I mentioned in terms of names and pronoun usage and what group they're in and bathrooms, um, you know, if we are just insistent that they're going to go along with what we believe about their gender and, you know, the names, pronouns, bathrooms and social groupings along with that, you know, we're just going to come against a wall. Um, yeah it's it's probably going to drive them away honestly i mean you know for me when i was first coming at the church if that was an issue if if someone had confronted me and said you know what um i i know that you're a man uh you you need to be you know i, I need to call you key you need to go to the men's classes you need to use the men's room i probably would have said see you bye i'm gone right. um, that would have been you know, a breaking point for me. And especially, you know, when it comes down to things like the bathroom, it's like, really, you're telling me that I can't even, you know, feel comfortable using the restroom here? You know, that, that's probably going to be an issue. I mean, this is just a theory, but right. chances are when someone comes to church at some point or another, they're going to have to pee. 
I mean, whether it's this week or next week, it's going to happen. Right. Know? But I do want to preface all of that with saying that I would never encourage a Christian to go against their conscience. I feel that each and every individual Christian has to make decisions on all of these issues as far as how they're going to act, how they're going to act before God and how they're going to treat people before God. Because ultimately at the end of the day, they're the ones who stand individually before God and are responsible for their conduct. Sure, um, sure. You know, ultimately you can't stand before God and say, Brandon Redler said so. It's not really going to go that well. I'm not right. a spiritual. Right. And um, just to interject here, you know, because there's, there's a little bit of a flip side of the coin because there might be this person who's hearing you talk and be like, aha, yes, see, my conscience says that, that I can't do any of that. And I will add that Paul did say very clearly in the New Testament that though his conscience was clear, did not make him innocent necessarily. And so I agree with you 100%, but I think we really do have to prayerfully and humbly allow God to examine the motives of our hearts and our conscience, because though our conscience might be clear, it doesn't necessarily mean we're right. Uh, you know, our consciences can be misguided or even seared as the New Testament talks about. And so I think you're right. There is a balance, right? You know, we all must stand before God uh, for the account of ourselves and, and, and no, no one else. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I would encourage our listeners and our audience to, to be willing to, uh, allow God to help you examine what you might think is very, very certain, you know, um, allowing, you know, putting ourselves in a place of being influenced by God and, and ultimately his scriptures, right. And not so much our feelings or the cultural milieu of our day, Etc. So that, that's a really great point. Now, Brandon, what, what kind of uh, uh, struggles or challenges do you still face as a Christian uh, who lived as a transgender person? And or what kind of things would you say to maybe a transgender person who is considering the Christian faith or, or maybe has questions about the Christian faith? Yeah. Well, I still struggle with my transgender feelings the same as I ever have. My, I mean, I have not um, done away with them by any means. There's no you know, magical cure out there that I'm aware of. I mean, just like any Christian um, who has uh, whatever background they're coming from, it doesn't just evaporate when they make Jesus Lord. I mean, we all wish it would, for mm. sure. You know, probably still struggle with the same things we always did. Now, just like many Christians, I've had a lot of victory in, in dealing with this area of my life. I mean, certainly when I first became a Christian, I was incredibly sorrowful. I mean, I had voluntarily given up something that had given me so much comfort and made me feel so good about myself in my day-to-day -day life um, and just completely gave that up literally overnight. And that was heartbreaking. I mean, it certainly was... Uh, even though it was one of the jo most joyful times of my life, it was also one of the saddest times of my life. And I really had to cling to God so closely. And I still do that today. I mean, certainly the battle, though it is a daily one, has gotten so much easier. I mean, really, I have focused my life so much on different things, on things in God's kingdom, that, you know, it's really not that often that I really think about you know, my gender identity and how much I really want to live as a woman, even though that desire is just as strong today, my focus just really isn't on it uh, nearly as much as it once was. Um, I feel like my life now is so much more fulfilling than it ever was living as a woman. 
And the reason for that was living as a woman was great. It met so many of my needs and it still is so very appealing to me because it still would meet those needs. However, my spiritual needs were not met and the lack of God in my life was ultimately so much more painful, even more painful than I realized at the time. It's so much more painful than now missing being a woman. And so certainly when I, when I look at my own choice of choosing to live as a man and feel good about my relationship with God over living as a woman, there's no comparison. My life feels much more fulfilling now and so i know how hard the struggle is and right. to those who identify as transgender i know how hard this is and I, I i will not tell you that your your feelings don't matter they do absolutely your feelings are real and they are valid and they are a part of you but i will say that i feel so much better about my relationship with god living as a man as I believe that he made me. And I can't, you know, make you believe that by any means. You really just have to take the plunge. You have to really see what God has for you and open your heart to him and not hold back and he will give it to you. Right. And this is really in line with um, what is many times in today's culture, the most unpopular part of Christianity uh, to the point where it's almost left out completely. And that is, to follow Jesus fundamentally means to deny oneself. And what it is we deny may vary from person to person and even culture to culture, but nonetheless, it's denial of self, which is paradoxical because Jesus says that in doing so, you will gain. That by giving up your life, you will gain life, which is exactly what you're saying you've experienced uh, whether you lived as a transgender person or not, that's applicable to everyone. Uh, but yet, in, in, in many times in our culture and in our nature, we don't really like the sound of that a lot of times. We want what we want, even though many times it doesn't fully fulfill us, which is strange to us. And, and ultimately, I think, I know for me and what it sounds like even for you, is ultimately what drives us to seek anything beyond that is to seek something beyond what it is that we're, we think is fulfilling us, and yet it's still not really fulfilling. And then we come across this man, Jesus, who says, ah, you must deny yourself and follow me, and then you will have true life. That's incredible. So um, any other thoughts or input that you might um, give someone who is uh, in the LGBT community or is a transgender person that is uh, looking to maybe seek Christian faith or, or even just intrigued about it in any way, what, what would be the first step that they should take? Mm -hmm. I would say, do what I did, get into the Bible. And really, you know, we, we can look at people who are Christians, or at least claim to be Christians, and we can say, okay, that's Christianity. We can form our opinions about God from his people, or at least those who claim to be his people. And you've got to go to the source. You've got to go to his word because that's the most intimate time that you can have with him and really find what he has to say to you. Because ultimately, if you're really doing Christianity right, it's him that you're clinging to. It's not the church. It's not the people in the church. It's him. And so the only way to really get to know who he is and really find out what he wants for your life and what he offers for your life is to get into his word. 
you know, faith comes from hearing the word. And that is absolutely true in my life because that is exactly where my faith came from. No one talked me into it. No one, you know, kind of tricked me into coming to church. No, it was his word. And that is exactly where you've got to go. Wow, that's powerful. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you for that. As we get ready to wrap up here, um, you know, what, what kind of resources would you maybe point someone toward that would want to learn more or, or find out more about this topic or maybe uh, knows a transgender person in their life and they're wanting to know how to reach out or how to share their faith or how to just connect personally with them? What, what, where would you point them? Yeah. Well, I'm part of a, an international ministry called Strength in Weakness, and we have a website, strengthinweakness.org. Um, and that ministry is led by Guy Hammond. He's a minister out of Canada. Um, and really, the ministry exists to bridge the gap between the LGBT and the Christian communities. And we do that in a number of ways by education and support. Uh, we give advice where, where it's asked for. You know, we're really just there to help both people who are in the LGBT community to understand what, what we believe and, and help to kind of break down some of the barriers that have been put up by, you know, really more hateful groups that are calling themselves Christians that uh, unfortunately are out there and really just giving Christianity a bad name and making it much less than loving, much, much less than the love of Christ. And we really want to support those that, that do deal with same-sex attraction, transgender feelings, who do want to live Christian lives um, and, and you know, want to deal with that in a Christian way. We want to be there to support them. We want to be there to support their, their family members and their friends um, who are also touched by these issues. Um, right. So we're really just there as a, as a resource. Um, on the website, there's a, a ton of articles, uh, one that I've written, which is called, you know, Showing the Love of Christ to Transgender People that really hits a lot of these issues. Um, I've had the opportunity to, to speak in a number of churches to really share this story. Um, and, and, you know, Guy is constantly traveling around the world to share what the ministry has to offer for how the church can be more loving and sensitive on these issues. Uh, we also have a parents and other family members ministry that is just specifically for parents and family members of those who are in the LGBT community, whether they're in the church or not, um, just to be there to support one another, to share uh, strategies of how they've been able to, to show Christ's love to their children or other family members. Um, so yeah, really Strength and Weakness has a lot to offer um, just to anyone who's seeking help in this area and however it touches their lives. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Brandon, for uh, taking the time to, to be on here, to be willing to share so vulnerably uh, with the audience. I know um, I'm very grateful and very honored that you would take the time to do this. So we really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, John. Absolutely. This is Brandon Redler from Strength and Weakness Ministry, and this is John Sherwood from johnsherwood.com. We'll see you later. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this Faith Fuel podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time.